0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready, and for this episode, it could be taking you guys back to the year in 1963 to look at Ray Harry Houston's stop motion classic. It's the high-sea adventures, it's the harpies, it's the Iron Man, it's the Hydra, it's Jason and the Argonauts. So let's set sail, let's play you guys a trailer, and I'll see you soon.
1: From the makers of Sinbad, Columbia Pictures presents Jason and the Argonauts The mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known Turn back, Jason! We're trapped! Sailing to the ends of the earth, battling against an incredible number of obstacles Where will you find this miracle? I have heard there is a tree at the end of the world with a fleece of gold hanging in its branches. In search of the fabulous magic Golden Fleece, Jason and the Argonauts, caught on the clutches of the towering bronze giant Talos, battered by treacherous falling rocks, taming vulturous harpies, facing the dreaded seven-headed Hydra, battling the merciless army of skeletons. Jason and the Argonauts, the classic story of Jason a man who challenged the gods. Medea, a temple dancer who betrayed a kingdom for love. The Argonauts, the mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Jason and the Argonauts, a classic adventure story brought to the screen through the incredible special effects magic of Dynorama. Jason and the Argonauts, the search that became a legend.
0: And welcome back guys, so the synopsis for this film is legendary Greek hero leads a team of intrepid adventurers in a perilous quest for the legendary Golden Fleece. It's got a 104 minute runtime, and it's classed as a action adventure family movie. The film was directed by Don Chaffee, it's an English director and he's mainly remembered for fantasy films from the 1960s and 1970s being 1 million years BC creatures the world forgot and the disney movie peach dragon he also did a lot of tv work a lot of iconic stuff like the prisoner fantasy island stingray macgyver tj hooker and charlie's angels to name just a few and the film was produced by charles h sneer and he's worth a mention because he is best known for working with ray harry houston the um specialist for the stop motion animation which I'll mention in a minute but he has worked with him on pretty much every movie that he made including Clash of the Titans, Sinbad the Eye of the Tiger, Golden Voyager Sinbad, First Men in the Moon, Mysterious Island it just goes on and on so he is um, the guy that put all those films together. And talking about Ray Harryhausen he is a legend he's the show stealer He's the American artist, he's a designer, visual effects creator, writer and producer of the iconic stop-motion model animation known as Dynamation. And he was involved in all those films which I just mentioned there. And if he's going to be in a Ray Harry Houston movie, I think as an actor or director, you just know this guy's going to steal the show. And he has over time, because when you look at these films, it's the first thing you mention as a fan of these movies, and quite rightly so, because the... Stop-motion creations are the show stealers, whether that's Pegasus or Medusa or the Iron Man or the Hydra or the Harpies or those badass skeletons that you see at the end of this movie fighting Jason. It's it's take your pick. And what I like about the stop-motion animation is the conviction that you get from them. I always feel like these because they're made out of uh, clay or whatever it is, they just feel like they are real. They feel like they've got a lot of heart to them um, compared to CGI, which we get today. Don't get me wrong, CGI does a lot of good stuff today in movies, especially with the Marvel films. But every time I watch these old films going back to the 60s, you'd think they'd be out of date by now, but because of this stop-motion animation, it just makes them timeless classic creations and as i said i can't say this enough they are the show stealers of this movie or of these movies and uh you know even though the acting might be a little bit hammy or a little bit cardboard it doesn't matter as soon as these stop motion creations turn up like i said they just steal the show all day long and they're magnificent so there you go that's that's my dear in love for these um characters and moving on from the special effects let's talk about the story because this story is really really old it's um, going right back to ancient Greece in the 3rd century BC and it's basically a poem which was written by Apollonius or Rhodes and I think some of the ancient fragments of the script still survive up until today so there you go it's probably one of the oldest stories which I've reviewed so far on this show and even some of the uh, characters and locations are real, or well, certainly in the Greek folklore, you've got the Statue of the Colossus in Rhodes, which is based on the uh, Iron Man in this film. You've obviously got Hercules, who's another folklore hero. And the location of the Golden Fleece, uh, Colchis, where they try to get to, is an actual place. It's a real location on the east coast of the Black Sea in western Georgia. And the Statue of the Colossus, which I mentioned in Rhodes, is a actual... Um, site of one of the seven ancient wonders in the world you can actually go to that site but obviously the statue is not there anymore I think it crumbled down over the years I'm also talking about sets and locations the scene where you've got the harpies um, in this movie you've got some greek amphitheaters and they're for real that is an actual real location Um, I nearly went to that location when I went to Naples um, but it's in that area it's just south of Naples on the at the amalfi coast down in italy so um i always think it's pretty cool when you can find these uh, set locations there's a touch of nostalgia and you can go and reenact these scenes <laughs> hopefully the harpies don't turn up to uh, steal all your gear so that's the uh, film locations and the stop animations let's have a talk about the music the music in this movie is iconic it's that iconic um score by the composer Bernard Herrmann, who is known for his um, collaborations of Alfred Hitchcock movies like Psycho. He did um, Citizen Kane, he did The Day the Earth is Still, and he's done a lot for Ray Harry Houston, obviously. And uh, he did some stuff for The Twilight Zone on TV as well. So it's iconic, and he's really got a signature with his scores, much like um, John Williams has, and James Horner, and John Barry. They've all got their own sounds, all iconic. and as i said before the soundtrack is a vital key to a movie it really is um again it's the heart in some ways it keeps it pumping keeps the story pumping along and um creates tension it creates romance and it creates terror and we all know it creates terror especially when you hear that jaws theme i'm on a tangent here but that you know that's the power of music man that really does help out with a movie So there's a production, the special effects and the music. So let's have a talk about the cast here. So as Jason, you've got Todd Armstrong, and this is the only film which I know him for. And the bit of trivia here is that his voice actually got dubbed. So that's not his actual voice in this, but it works okay. You can't really tell. I can't really tell. Uh, Nancy Kovac, she plays media. She is the love interest in this movie, and she had her voice dubbed as well. So they seem to do that a lot. Uh, Gary Raymond as Acastus, he's the bad guy. Uh, Lawrence Naismith, now he's been in other Ray Harryhausen movies. He plays Argos, and he was in The Valley of Gwangi. Norbert Guinness, uh, he plays Zeus. He's got he just got one of those voices in these um, films. And Honor Blackman as the beautiful Greek goddess Hera, and she's famous for playing Pussy Galore in Goldfinger. And you also got Patrick Troughton in this uh, Doctor Who, and he plays the old guy who gets attacked by the Harpies, and I think his name is Finney's. And you also got Nigel Green in this, and he's uh, he's a proper man's man, you know, he's a tough guy. He plays Hercules, and. They originally wanted I think they wanted an Italian actor in this. He was like a proper sort of Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of muscle bound guy, but um I think ultimately they just wanted to have an actor who just had a bit of conviction about him and they just thought that this is probably what Hercules would have been like back in those times. He probably just would have been a natural, larger than life knife character who probably didn't just come out of a gym and looked all sort of muscular and stuff. He's probably be. Um, like the nigel green in this and he's he's pretty good he, he plays his character really well and he's also in um zulu and he also plays the sergeant in the revenge of fu manchu or one of those films one of those films with uh, christopher lee they're iconic as well they'll probably be worth a mention so there you go that is nigel green and that is some of the cast in this movie just to mention just a few so there you go guys that's uh it's a pretty solid movie mate it's made up on some solid grounds like I say with the music the stop animation the actors uh, the special effects the real set locations I think they really did build the Argo as well I think I can't see that just being a plastic model. that thing looks real um, so yeah it's, it's just what makes this movie and before I move on to the review I'll just mention that this was backed by Columbia Pictures and it had a budget of 2 million dollars I mean that's quite a lot of money back then um but unfortunately it was actually a box office um, flop and I don't really like to use the word flop because I mentioned this before because I don't like it when a film money gets compared to how much money it makes it just means that maybe at that time not everybody had money to go and watch these films or whatever and you think for $2 million back then there's quite a lot of money when you look at the inflation um, but I think it, made, it almost made its money back um, but then over time it's done really well, it's got a cult status People like this movie, I don't like it. Don't know anybody that doesn't like um, Jason and the Argonauts It's become a cult classic So it just goes to show if it doesn't make it's money It doesn't mean it's a bad movie I mean look at that film with that John Carpenter movie With the guys out in the snow in the Antarctic Can't remember the name of the film, I'll get back to you that one later But you know what I mean <laughs> So let's move on, let's do a bite-sized review of Jason and the Argonauts so the film starts off with that amazing film score and it tells you straight away you are going on an adventure, you're going on a Greek adventure and it just feels like that every time I watch this film When you get the scroll of all the Greek pictures of history, of historic accounts. It's really cool. And then the film starts with our main antagonist, King Pelias, who upspurs the throne of Thessaly and he kills the King Aristo. Because he has a prophecy that King Aristo's children will avenge him. But Jason is sprighted away by one of uh, Aristo's soldiers before Pelias can get to him. But then Pelias goes to the Temple of Hera and he finds uh, Aristo's daughter. And with some seriously bad karma here, Pelias kills the daughter in the Temple of Hera. And because of this murder, this is where Hera becomes. Jason's protector and she warns Pelias that he has to be aware of a man with one sandal and then 20 years later Jason saves Pelias from drowning in a river which is an accident which was orchestrated by Hera and in this process where Jason loses one of his sandals this is where Pelias recognizes him as a enemy and then Jason not realizing this is King Pelias he tells him that he is in search of the golden fleece. And he wants to rally some support against King Pelias and try and kill him. But then King Pelias encourages Jason to go on this venture, but with an ulterior motive to kill him secretly. Jason is then met by the Greek goddess Hermes, who then takes him to Mount Olympus to meet Zeus and Hera. And Hera tells Jason that. Um, She can help him only five times, which is the same number of times which um, his sister asked Hera for help. And then Zeus also helps him out and says, look, I'll offer you a ship. But then Jason comes out and says, no, it's okay. I'll find the ship by myself. It's quite a funny scene here where Zeus goes, I offered him a ship, a ship, and he refused me. Uh, But then he comes out and says, it's good karma, I guess as opposed to King Pelias in this movie, where Zeus says to Jason, he says, you know, I like that. I like the fact that you just didn't reach out and take my offer, the fact that you just wanted to help yourself out. He says that you will become a great man on this quest. So then um, Jason says that he will have the best ship built in the world, the Argo, and that he will recruit the best men. And in order to do this, he goes back um, to Greece where he holds a contest and he recruits the best archers, sword fighters and the famous showstealer Hercules and then you've also got uh, Castus, who gets recruited but uh, unknown to Jason this is uh, King Polias' son who is there to secretly kill Jason so with his fine crew and the best ship in Greece, the Argo uh, Jason sets off on his quest to go and find the Golden Fleece and with the help of Hera And she guides them to the Island of the Bronze and warns them that they can only take provisions and food and nothing else, or else Talus will come and get you. So they arrive on the island and Hercules and Hylus, who's another crewmate, they find themselves some Greek bronze statues. And at the foot of the Greek bronze statues are a like a jewellery box, they go inside, and Hercules picks up like a massive pin, which is like a javelin, and he takes it. But Hylus says, maybe you should put it back. And there's a bit of trivia here with this scene, is actually those two actors actually didn't get on, Nigel Green and the guy who plays Hylas. When they did this scene, they actually went into this um, movie set and the lights were so bright that the both actors got blinded by it and they got taken to hospital. And during that time, whilst they were sat in hospital, these two actors both got on really well during this time and they remained the best of friends up until the 90s when Nigel Green passed away, unfortunately. So there you go, always say greatness from small beginnings, you just never know. But anyway, going back to the film, so um, Hercules, he's stolen this um, bronze pin or gold pin on against the rules of Hera which angers the bronze statue who was protecting it. And it just happens to be a Greek soldier with a sword known as Talos. And he's badass. It's iconic, as I said at the beginning of this movie, it's a great scene. It's Ray Harry who's some magic when this Goliath of a bronze man, he attacks the crew on the beach, um, he tries to grab them. They try to get away on the Argo, but then he walks along the cliff edge, and it's like I say, it's just another great scene here where he's just he's just wading over the uh, the water. He waits for the Argo to go underneath him, and then he picks up the mast and he just almost breaks the ship in half, and then chucks it back into the water. So then the remaining crew manage to get back onto the shore. And before they get back, uh, this is where Jason asks Hera for help and she says that you have to look for his ankle. It's almost like a sort of Achilles heel moment. So then uh, Jason gets back onto the beach with the remaining crew and they are fighting Talos. And this is where Jason heroically goes up to his ankle and he's got a spear. And he finds a plug at the bottom of Talos' heel and he unscrews the plug and then all this liquid comes out and, like I say, Talos is standing there and he starts grabbing hold of his neck and he starts shouting out it's, like I say it's just a great scene I keep saying that but it's just brilliant and then he starts to crack I suppose all the liquids come out all of the crew start running away and this is where Hercules um, he just drops that um, gold spear on the ground but then Hylus goes oh you dropped your spear and he goes back to get it and then this is where the Talos falls on top of him and it kills him Jason with the crew, they repair the Argo the best they can and continue their voyage but before they go, um, Hercules says that he's going to stay on the island because he feels bad about Hylas and he says that I won't leave the island until I find Hylas. and then the crew are a little bit angered by this because they say, well, how can we move on without um, Hercules but Jason then tells the crew that he has been having help from the Greek goddess Hera and he turns around to Hera and he asks for another question and she directs jason and the crew to seek out finis who has been blinded and is tormented by harpies for misusing zeus's gift of prophecy so the crew of the argo they go to see finis and they capture the capture these harpies and like i say it's another great harry house and scene and then finis tells them that the only way they can reach colchis is by sailing between the clashing rocks And before they set off on this quest, Finis gives Jason a amulet from the sea god Triton who will help them through the voyage of the Crashing Rocks. Jason and the crew arrive at the Crashing Rocks and they see another ship that gets crushed and sunk. Jason then throws the Triton into the water and then this is where you get another great scene where Triton comes out of the sea and he pushes the Crashing Rocks um, apart and then... It's quite funny actually, the uh, the crew go under um, Triton's armpit. So hopefully he had some roll on. (laughs) And then after clearing the rocks, they come across a survivor from the other shipwreck. And it's the very attractive media who is the high priestess of Colchis. And then before they reach Colchis, this is where Custis comes out and his identity gets revealed. And he challenges Jason's authority, engages him in a duel and they have a fight. And Acastus falls into the water and they think he's dead, they find like a bloody piece of um, clothing. Jason and his crew land and they're invited to a feast with King Aetes. But unknown to them, uh, Acastus has warned Aetes of Jason's quest for the Golden Fleece and Aetes has the Argonauts and Jason imprisoned. But then Media, who has fallen in love with Jason, she releases him and his men and they escape. Acastus tries to steal the fleece first, but then he gets killed by Hydra, which is another iconic Ray Harry Houston uh, mythical beast. Beasts with all the, the, like a snake-like creature with all the heads. Jason then kills the Hydra and then he manages to take the fleece. But whilst he escapes with Media and his crew, Media gets um, killed by an arrow from one of Ates men. But then Jason manages to restore her life with the fleece which shows the power of the fleece. And whilst Aetes was pursuing Jason along the way he picked up the Hydra's teeth and he uses these teeth to um, resurrect an army of skeletons and like I say there's another cool iconic Harry Houston scene where this, he throws the teeth onto the ground and he says that they're like the children of the reborn or something like that and then you get like a sort of thunderstorm and then the skeletons come out of the ground with like shields and swords and whilst the rest of the crew escape the media jason with two of his other crew members polaris and castor hold them off and there's a little bit of trivia here with the skeletons when you look at their shields the shields have emblems of creatures that have been like an octopus i think there might be a dinosaur on there or something like that or other creatures and these all resemble they're like easter eggs from other Ray Harry and Houston movies. I didn't know that until I looked at the uh, trivia but there's just like a little bit of an easter egg there with that. So you get a really cool battle here between Jason and the skeletons and the two of his companions get killed with Jason remaining and the only way he can deal with this is by running off the cliff with the skeletons following him and then they just fall into the sea and I imagine they just fall apart and then Jason gets away and then he gets back onto the Argo. He's got the fleece he falls in love with media, and they set off into the sunset, and that's how the film ends. And that's it, guys. That is a bite-sized review of Jason and the Argonauts. as I say, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. If you have seen it, I have no doubt that you are a fan like me and love all these types of movies. So, hope you enjoyed that, guys. Um, the next movie I'm going to do, I've got a little bit of a taste for this um, adventure. So. I'm going to do a Doug McClure movie and that's going to be Warlords of Atlantis. So look out for that. That will be dropping soon. And for a little bit of admin, guys, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network so go and check out all the other great shows on there. And you can find Bite Size Cinema Podcast on iTunes and YouTube and several other players on the internet if you just put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast onto the internet. And I've also got a Facebook page group, Um, so yeah, post some comments on there, put your thoughts on there, movies, anything you want me to have a look at, so let us know. And as always guys, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I will see you soon.